If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, Yeah, it's an honor to to be with you on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, In honor of of Andy Reid, I'm sporting a mustache today. I hope you can, uh, I hope you guys appreciate that. Um, and I'm not doing it because I'm a Chiefs fan, but he, I, he, he was an offensive line coach at my alma mater, so got to give props to him. Uh, it's also some, I'd have heard this, it's like some weird day with the date, like, you know, because it's 0202220, and people are all geeking out. Like, it's, it's been like 900 years since we've had a day like this, and it will be like another 100 years. Do you guys know about this? No? It seemed like a big deal to some people, and so... Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to go ahead and honor that too. In case you're not into the Super Bowl, you're into weird dates that happen. Um, that's cool. But so it's all that to say, man, to, of all days, you, to be here with us together, it's amazing. And we are, uh, we are starting a, a, a new series called uh, Relationship Goals. Uh, because if you think about it, I mean, if you think about rela- relationships are, are a huge deal. I mean, if you think about like, okay, what is my greatest joy in life right now? If you, if you just think about that for a second, it probably involves a relationship. If you were to think about what is my greatest pain right now, it probably involves a relationship. They're, they're a big deal. Relationship, we're, they're unavoidable. We, we are wired, we are hardwired to be in relationship with each other. In fact, if you're a Christian, uh, relationships are at the center um, of our transformation, I mean, obviously, Jesus is at the, is at the epicenter, but relate, he uses relationships to bring about the work he wants to do in our life. About 90% of the New Testament commands were written to communities of people, things that you, you want another, things that you cannot do on your own. So about 90% of, of walking out this Christian life, relationships are necessary for. Uh, when Jesus spoke of the greatest things you can do, serve, love, lay down your life, represent an alternate way of living. This all involves people. It all involves relationship, even understanding who God is. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He says that we have the mind of Christ, that no one person can actually comprehend who God is. And we all, we all help each other know who God is. So without healthy functioning relationships, you're, you're going to be operating well, well below your potential. Well, well below. So relationships are a big deal. That's why community groups are central uh, to what we do. So we don't ju- we're not just a church that has community groups like, hey, if you're interested in relationships, you can go over to this corner of the church and go find some people to hang out with. And it's like, no, man, they're, 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 we are a church of community groups. And, the, and they launched back up this week. And uh, we, yeah, so you're in one, engage, and have all kinds of enthusiasm and engaging. If you're not in one, it is a perfect time to check one out. In fact, if you go out to our uh, Connect Point, you can read all about our community community groups and, and get involved in that way. So our, so our hope too, though, isn't that you would just go to a group like, okay, this is like another checkbox in a long list of Christian duties, right? Because it can be that way. But actually to go and to engage. 
And, and as you engage other people, uh, you'll, you'll begin to do life with them. You'll begin to, uh, to share your life with them and, and be known and know others. And, and then you'll see that you have something to offer them and, and they have something to offer you. And that's when life really takes off. So relationships are a very, 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 very big deal and they're worth investing in. So we're gonna, the next three weeks, we're gonna just talk about three relationship goals that come all out of the scripture. And the first one comes from a very famous person in the early church named James. And he had an even a more famous brother, named Jesus. And uh, what's interesting about James, especially if you're skeptical, you know, you're here and you're like, you're, you know, like you're, you're not really sure about the church thing. You're not really sure about the Christianity thing. Um, James had a hard time believing as well. In fact, he, ne- he, even though he was a brother of Jesus, he didn't become a Christian until after the resurrection. Because after all, what would it take for you to believe that your brother was the son of God? He would have to rise from the dead. Well, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> James felt that way, and because it, it wasn't his teaching. I mean, he heard Jesus' teaching, amazing as it was, wasn't convinced. He saw a lot of miracles. He saw him turn water into wine, feed 5,000, lame walk, blind see, still not convinced. But he stands next to his mother as he watches his brother bleed out. And then 40 days later, he's eating breakfast with him on a beat. Okay, I'm in. And when he was in, he was in. I mean, he, he became a very big deal. He, in fact, he led the church in, in Jerusalem that we read about in Acts. He, he, was, he was martyred for his faith. There was a high priest named Ananias uh, who had him stoned to death. Uh, Ananias was, uh, again, a high priest from not a Pharisee, but a Sadducee. And James is always talking about the resurrection and Sadducees did not believe in the resurrections. That's why they were sad, you see. And um, uh, I'm a dad and a pastor, so my jokes are like that, okay? Actually, it's a very, very uh, old pastor joke to help you remember what the Sadducees believed. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's how you know the difference. Okay. Um, That won't be on the test. Um, There's nothing to do with the relationship. But the point is, is that James was a prove it to me kind of guy. So if you're skeptical and you're like, I, man, I don't, don't, don't just talk about your faith. Let's show me something tangible. Let me see some evidence. James is your guy. He, he all through. So if you see a guy who's, who's like not doing well, he's hungry. Don't just wish him well. You know, don't just say, Hey, I'm praying for you, buddy. Like give him something to eat. Show me your faith. Let's, let's not just have love that's sentimental, sentimental, but let's put it into action. Don't just play church. Let's be the church. That was James, bottom line, evidence kind of a guy. So he's a great guy to learn from. And he's going to give us our first goal, which is in uh, James 1.19. This is what he says. He says, my dear brothers and sisters. So you say, hey, come on, family. Well, all together, we're brothers, we're sisters, we're part of this great family. Take note of this. So get out your pen and paper, lean in. I got something really important to say. Everyone in the relationship should be quick to listen. Goal number one, your priority in your relationships is to be quick to listen, which almost doesn't make sense. I mean, how do you speed up hearing? Right? Like that doesn't really make sense, but he's a good communicator. And so he puts two words together that don't often go together to make a point. He's saying this needs to be your priority. You need to be quick to listen. Before you get out your three points, be quick to listen to their three points. Which, if we're being honest, this is just what we want from other people. We want other people to be quick to listen to us. And so we should be quick to listen to others. In fact, James is just 
expounding upon what his brother said. His brother said a couple of things. He says, you should treat people, first of all, uh, the way that I have treated you. He said that in John uh, 13, 30, 34. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. So how I, how I treat you is how you treat, treat other people. But another little clue is this. He says, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you want this for yourself. You should love other people this way. You should be quick to listen. You should be quick to listen. But not only quick to listen, check this one out. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. This word literally means to be late. Um, So when it comes to other people's words, be early. Be quick. When it comes to your words, be slow. Be late. Show up late. Now, if you're like me, I know what you're thinking. Man, if, I, if I'm quick to listen and I start asking them questions and a follow-up questions, they're just going to keep going on and on. And rabbit trail, rabbit trail, rabbit trail. And, you know, I've got all this wisdom that I seem to, like, throw into the conversation. Yeah, 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 I, I get that. I'm, I'm like that way, too. But if we want to do relationships well, we got to be quick. Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. And if I just think about my worst leadership moments, my, first, my worst parenting moments, I've, I've got, you know, a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. My worst uh, parenting moments is when I've been quick to speak and slow to listen. When I think about the things I have to go back and apologize for, it's this. And any person who's in authority, you know, if you're a parent or in a position of authority, I mean, this is, this is your temptation. This is my temptation because we think, I think, okay, I've got the expertise and I've got my little wisdom bucket over here and I've got my little experience bucket over here and I've got my little insight bucket over here and you're a teenager and I'm not even sure your frontal lobe is developed yet. So why don't you shut up right now? And let me pour out my experience. Let me pour out. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? I did. You know, I'm not done yet. Why, why are you leaving? Why are you walking out the door? I don't, don't you want to hear my wisdom? Don't you want to hear my insight? Driving them out the door, driving kids away, spouse away, employees away, friendships away. I've learned the hard way. Hope you can learn the easy way that you can, you can be right, but you can write that person right out the door. You can write that teenager right out the door. You, you can write that, man, I've got this great employee in my department. You can write them right out of your department because they're just like you and me. They want to be listened to. We want to be understood. We don't want to be lectured. Um, And people might be open to our ideas if we would first understand where they're coming from. And John Maxwell, I don't know if you guys know him, but he said something very famous. He said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People, you guys into like efficiency, like because I'm into efficiency and like development. So you might have heard of a guy named Stephen Covey. He said this. He had seven habits. Habit number five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to, be, be, to understand. And they're just saying what James said, right? Um, I mean, Stephen Covey was Mormon. He probably read the New Testament. Uh, so this is what we got to do in our relationships. So we're going to say it together, okay? Slow to speak. We're going to be quick to listen, slow to speak. You guys ready for this? So I'm, we're going to do a little hand motion. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Can we do that together now? Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. All right, very good. Very good. But that's not it. That's not it. He, he, he says more. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You want to know where, why angry comes into the, con- into the conversation? Because getting angry is a, is a decision, but it's also a result. And our anger toward other people comes from not where uh, we're quick to speak and slow to listen. Our anger comes when we draw hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions about what other people do, about what they say, and what they believe. And James here has a little formula. He says, the longer you listen equals the more you understand, which means the less you'll be angry. And we, offer, we often forget something that's so obvious. It's embarrassing how obvious this is. I'm going to say something to you right now. That's going to be like so obvious. But in our relationships, we forget so much. And this is what it is. Everything everyone does makes sense to them. Just let that sink in. No, but that's not all. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. Here's something else. Everything everyone believes makes sense to them. If you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, I believe that you have good reasons that make sense to you. Um, But we often forget that what people, what they say, what they do, and what they believe, it actually makes sense to them. And so sometimes we, we think things or say things, especially around decisions people make, like parenting or particularly things like politics. So this is really relevant in election year. We say things with a level of anger. I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would say that. I don't know why they would believe that. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't answer it right away. Who, do, who in this equation needs an education? The, the person who would do that, say that, or believe that, or the person who doesn't know why someone would do that, say that, believe that. Let me give you a hint. I don't know. I don't know. I am the one who lacks understanding. I am the one who needs to get educated. But it's so much easier, isn't it, just to be critical? It's so much easier just to, just to uh, complain and be critical, get on social media, find the lowest IQ on the internet who will agree with me and just rant, 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 rant. Newsflash. Everything everyone does makes sense to them. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. Everything everyone believes makes sense to them. Just like you. Why would my wife do that? Why would my teenager do that? Why would my fellow community group members say that? Why would my neighbor or coworker believe that? James, the brother of Jesus, would say to us, I've got an idea. Why don't you be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be curious, ask questions. Don't make declarations with your mouth or with your mind, but go to the person, pull up a chair and get a PhD in them and talk to them. It just might save a friendship. It just might save a marriage and call me crazy, but it might just save a nation. And let me just go ahead and insert a little like pastoral. Can I just be like your pastor for a second? Um <laughs> I, don't, I just feel like I need to ask permission because I'm going to say some things I'm going to ask you to do. Um, we had 856 people show up at our services last week. 
across locations. We almost have 600 adults in our community groups. And my guess, my guess, it's a wild guess, my guess is that we don't all agree what's best for our country over the next four years. It's just a guess. Um, my wife and I, just to declare, my wife and I don't even agree on every political point, right? Uh, so it's okay, actually. In fact, I'm glad that we don't agree on every political point. Otherwise, that's what would bring us together. And what brings us together isn't the person who sits behind a desk in an oval office, but the one who sits on the throne in heaven. That's what brings us together. And so we need to, so that's what we need to understand. But here, but why we won't agree, why we won't agree, why we won't agree, can we at least understand? Can we never say, I don't know why they think that way? I don't know why they would say that. Who in the right mind would ever do that? Can we be? Just, just, just this one year. Can we be? What, what was it again? Quick. And. I mean like late turtle running a marathon slow to speak. And I've had to learn this the hard way. I, mean, just, I remember just being, as a younger pastor, I would criticize with their church. I can't believe they would do that. I can't understand why they would do it. I mean, don't they read their Bible? I would say that privately and sometimes publicly. I would publicly criticize, certainly privately criticize things that actually we do right now that we used to not do. You know why we, I criticized it? Because I didn't understand it. You know what? I understand it now. And actually, it was a good idea. <laughs> So I just made up my mind. If there's an idea I don't understand, I'm just not going to say anything. If somebody does something that I don't quite get, I don't have my mind around it, and I haven't heard it really from them, especially if I don't know them, I'm just not going to say anything. Because I've got a filter, okay? My filter right now is 44 years old. It's white. It's middle-aged. It's middle-class. It's, it's all of that. And I see the world through that lens. I can't help it. And you can't help it either. So why in the world would I judge someone through tainted glasses, something I don't understand? It's better to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, I get why. I, I get it. I get it. Okay, so like, you know, the calmer I'll be, the more convincing I'll be, and then I'll, then I'll get them to go my way. And, you know, the, the more curious I'll be, the more connected I'd be, and, you know, more people will like me, and that's why you should do it, right? Well, no. There's a weightier matter here. It's, this isn't self-help. There, there, there's a divine agenda in this, um, which is where he goes next. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And he's going to tell us why. Because, because, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger is when I don't get my way. Uh, and that does not produce, that does not cultivate the righteousness of God. You see, in every relationship, in every conversation, in every tweet, in every interaction, there's, there's your agenda. And then there's their agenda but there's a third one, and it's God's. There's, there, there's a divine agenda in every conversation, in every relationship, in everything you do. And as long as you're trying to convince the other person that you're right, that's your agenda. That's your rightness, let's call it that. And then there's the other person. They've got an agenda, and they have their version of rightness. Hey, God's got a version of his rightness. And it's probably not theirs. And it's probably not yours. He has a righteousness. There's a very famous example of this in, in the Old Testament from Joshua. And Joshua is, is a powerful, godly man. So he's not like he's just off its rocker. And so he's, when Joshua was by Jericho, you know, before the big walls, they all fell down. 
He lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his, his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? Are you for me? Are you for them? Which one is it? And this is his answer. No. <laughs> no, I'm not for yours. I'm not for theirs. I'm for mine. And that's where he goes next. But, then, but I, the commander of the army of the Lord, now I have come, and Joshua fell on his face. There's a good thing to do. To the earth and worship and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? Well, in the matter of relationships, this is what the Lord says to his servant. Be quick to listen, slow to, to speak. You see, my desire is to make my point. My desire is to pursue my rightness, my sense of self-righteousness. That's the Bible term, self-righteousness. In our way, we could just say self-rightness, my sense of self-rightness. And you know what self-righteousness is? This is what it is. Self-righteousness is this. I know I'm right. I want you to know I'm right. I want everyone to know I'm right. That's what self-righteousness is. And it is a, it is a, uh, it's, it's a bad place to go. Um, and James lets us to know that this is not the kind of righteousness that God's after. So this is so big. So you see, you see um, we, we want to be right at each other. And what God's after, he wants us to be right with each other. He, we want to be right at each other. He wants us to be right. There's a huge, huge, huge difference. I want to convince you that I'm right. And, and then there's this moment where you're going to throw up your hands and say, you're right. And there's going to be a parade. Uh, but let's be honest. I mean, when you win an argument, do you actually win anything? It's like, I won the argument. And someone's like, where is she? I don't know. I won the argument. Like, but she's gone. She left. You, you don't win a relational argument. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, the surgery was successful, but yeah, I killed the patient. But, you know, the surgery was successful. It's like you, you don't win a relational argument. And, and, and James is like, come on. Christian brothers and sisters, you know that God doesn't take sides. You know that God isn't looking to, it's not about being right at, it's about being right with. Jesus did not come to be right. That would have taken like three seconds. He wouldn't have done the whole baby in a manger thing, okay? He just would have split open the sky and says, I'm God and you're not. Case closed. But that's not what he did. If he had come to be right, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. But he did not come to be right at us. He came to be right with us. And if that was his agenda relationally, why would it not be yours and mine? See, this is what he says in Ephesians, or Paul says of Jesus on the cross, Ephesians 2, 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Why in the world would you bring that back up in any way. Okay, so how do you do that? How do you do that, James? I already told you. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Because this is why. If the two of you aren't right, it doesn't matter who's right. If the two of you aren't right, it doesn't matter who's right. You don't win a relational argument. Then he continues. There's more to it. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Now, that word get rid of is a phrase that really means to like take off your jacket, take off your coat, take off 
you know, take off your outer garment. James is saying, you know, you're in, and it's, it's this jacket that's like, you know, you're walking around with this I'm right jacket. You know, it says I'm right on the sleeve or maybe it's, I don't know, it just says I'm right. And you walk around with this I'm right jacket. And, and the reason why it says moral filth, which sounds like a really nasty word, is because the, you wearing around this coat that just says I'm right and I want to be right, it leads to a sense of self righteousness that quickly becomes moral filth that takes over your life. I mean, this is not only the reason for verbal conflict, but it's behind all physical conflict and, you know, domestic violence. I've got to be right. I've got to assert myself. Wars between nations. I mean, this is huge. And for some of you, this may mean like, you know, it obviously should change how you interact with people, but it should also affect how you use social media. I mean, it blows my mind and breaks my heart how I see Christians talk to each other. Christians get out their, you know, they get out their I'm right jacket and they get out their laptop and their phone and they just scroll through. Oh, he's right. I'll give him a like. She's right. I'll give him a like. Oh, they're not right. I better comment on that. Whew, that was a long day of like telling people who's right and who's wrong. Is absolutely insane that a Christian would ever do something like that. James would call that moral filth. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have got to take that jacket off. Get rid of it. Don't put it away in your closet full and get it out when you need it. Get rid of it. Burn it. Has Have nothing to do with it. And then he keeps going, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. That word evil really is the word malice. And the word malice means the desire to get even, to have the last word. If you just feel, if you just feel like when something happens and you're like, oh, what they just said wasn't quite right and I got to go and correct that. If you feel that way, man, I'm really talking to you today. James is really talking to you today. That's what malice is. Malice is that thing to get in the last word, to to make things right. When we're feeling that way, we have to stop. We have to remember Jesus and how he treated us. We have to take that jacket off and prefer to get to be right with. Because even if I win a relational argument, I lose the relationship. I mean, did you really win? I mean, are you really winning? So, so take that off, but put something on else on. This is what he says. He says, and humbly accept the word planted in you. So I want you to take off this. I, I always have to be right jacket. And I want you to put on humility. Humility says that we are more important than me. That's what humility is. Humility is that you are more important than me. So Paul says it this way in his writings in Philippians count others as more significant than you. The humble, he says, this is the mind of Christ. And this mind is yours in Christ Jesus. So take on this mindset. Humility says that you are more important than me. And certainly we are more important than me. Um, and then it says to humbly accept the word planted in you. So he's like, look, hey, you're a Christian, right? Like you've got the concept, you've got the big idea, uh, the framework for how to do this because you believe in a savior who died for you. 
You believe in someone who made you more important than himself. And that is the dynamic that you're living under. That is the dynamic that you said, this is the thing that is most true. So you already have the big picture. You've already got it. And now he's just asking, he's just saying, you just need to do what Christ has done for you. You need to do that for other people. And he has promised, Jesus has promised to empower you if you will be willing to express faith by going in that direction. How do I do that, James? Quick to listen, slow to speak. And then he adds this. He says, which has the power to save you. And he doesn't mean eternally, although he obviously means, he means this has the power to save your relationship. This is a power to save your friendship. This is going to keep you from destroying your marriage, from saving your job, from saving your friendships, from saving your relationship with your teenager. And the key here says that you've got to accept this. Remember, James is like the, you know, prove it to me kind of guy. So accepting it doesn't mean just knowing it, because I know we all know it. I know we know it. Accept it means to believe that it's true. It's to say, I, it, it's, it's, to, it's to, when you feel this need to get in the last word, when you feel this need to, to fire back, in that moment, you haven't accepted. Which is, again, hey, take a moment, remember Jesus. Okay, I need to take this off. Now, does this mean that we can never be honest with how we feel? No, that is also an important part of relationships, which is going to be what we're going to talk about next week letting people in on how you are really doing, not wearing a mask, but being genuine. That's next week. And it also doesn't mean that we don't speak truth to other people. That's week number three. We're going we're to learn how we speak truth to people in a loving way. But if you don't get this, the other two aren't going to be very helpful to you. If you don't understand this. So we got we to address this. So, so we got to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And this is important because it's not about my rightness. It's not about your rightness. It's about his rightness. So let's just take off this jacket. Let's just leave it at the door. Let's just remove it here. Uh, I, as we close here, and, and the band can start coming up, and, and uh, I want you to imagine with me something. What would your relationships look like if you were to settle in your heart and your mind Not to be right at people, but to be right with people. Not if they would do it, because I know that's what you're thinking. Man, I wish so-and-so was here. I wish my teenager was here. I wish my spouse was here. I wish my mother-in-law was here. I wish my brother was here. I wish my boss was here. I want them to hear this. This isn't about them. This is about you. How would your relationships be different? Your parenting What could be different? What would, and here's the thing. What if we all did this? You know, it talks about, in, in this passage, it says, it talks about how this, this word being planted in us. And see, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, the gospel, like a seed. The smallest of seeds. See, see, Jesus did not come and the gospel doesn't come. The kingdom doesn't come like a big boulder into our life. But it comes to us like a little seed. And when that seed is planted in us, what happens the next day? It doesn't seem like much happens the next day or the next week. But when that seed gets planted in, Jesus says, it becomes like a tree, the biggest of trees that gives shade to all. And this little seed transforms 
the landscape. And here's what I believe from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head, that if you and I, in community, that's why community groups are so huge, so huge, so, so huge. If we allow this gospel seed, which says my goal is not to be right at with people, but right with the people, this seed, we, we plant that deep inside of us and we live that out, I believe that that is going to blossom into a forest of trees that the world will flock to. And they'll see something in how you do relationships. In fact, that's what Jesus said. Jesus says, they will know that you're mine by the love that you have for each other. Here's a community of people who's not looking to, you mean they're all different? They're all different shapes and sizes and they have different political views and they think this way and they think that way, but they come together under the banner of Christ. They all have the word of God, the, the seed of his gospel planted deep in them. And they're not looking to be right at, but right with. It will blossom into something that will, I'm not kidding, it will transform our city transform our neighborhoods, transform our workplaces, and I believe will transform our nation. Not because I say so, because he says so. So let's just get rid of it. We should have had a coat check here. Coat, you check your coat at the door. Like, just leave it here. You know, get rid of all moral filth, that one. We're gonna receive communion together. And you know what's cool? Um, Jesus, Jesus said this, or it was said about Jesus in Isaiah 52, or 53, excuse me. In fact, I think we have it on the screen up here. He was oppressed and afflicted. You ever feel hard pressed by other people? You ever feel like you're getting the bad end of the deal? Do you ever feel like you're being maligned verbally? Who's gonna stick up for me? He was oppressed and afflicted on the cross. You guys can go ahead and pass out. He was afflicted on the cross. Was that his fault? Did he deserve that? So what did he do? He opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. If his goal was to be right at in the garden before this all happened, he would have went ahead and called down that legion of angels to get rid of everyone. He not only did not destroy everyone for doing some, for, for murdering him, he opened not his mouth. I don't know what people are saying about you. I don't know what they're saying that you want to correct, but I guarantee you it's not that bad. And here's what, what we're getting ready to receive, the, the, the cup and the broken body of Jesus is this is not just some mindless routine that we go through, but this is remembering. This is remembering what Jesus did on our behalf, that while he was uh, being crucified, his goal wasn't to be right at, it was to be right with. And, be, and because of that, he, he, he opened not his mouth. And because he did that, in our moment of trial, when we, were, when we are being spoken against, when we're not getting our way, when we are feeling like somebody's got to speak up for me, we can remember Jesus. 
who opened not his mouth. And that was the key. That was the key for you and I being right with him so that you and I could be right with each other. So let's remember that in our relationships. When we stand.